Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Steven Sondheim. You lyric genius gave us a musical rebirth. Always with intense song drama, always with shows that scare my mama, but they make me giddy. Shows bad news that's gritty, no bad words, a pity. We like our shows deep and clever. I know you do! Build shows like that. Or whatever. <laughs> Join us, we'll talk about musicals. Turn back the clock with our musicals. With careful thought on great musicals. We'll look at plots in these musicals. Hear us as we present our story. Delving down deep to bring our story. Goes beyond history to glory. Now you can see we need our story. We're talking musical history. We're talking musical history. We're talking musical history. Join us, sing loud, and subscribe with glee. Ah, welcome back to Talking Musical History. You've come across another awesome episode, and we're always glad to have you. Thank you so much. My name is Chris Anderson. And I'm Kevin Werner. And now we're back from our hiatus. And with us today is Nicole, and I'm very excited to have him because he's going to bring a ray of sunshine into our podcast, and I'm very excited about that. Well, hello, and thank you so much. And in case you remembered him, he was on our podcast talking about holiday songs. If you couldn't tell from our opening song, we're going to be talking about West Side Story. The beloved Sondheim classic. One of my personally favorite musicals. I remember watching it on local television. They did a really solid push, I think, uh, putting West Side Story on a lot of local TV around the nation. And I think that opened up a lot of people to that film. Became very a part of culture. And I think it's an important story to be a part of American culture. The way that it's built, all of its elements of what America truly is baked within itself. Yeah, I was first introduced to West Side Story in my middle school that was performing arts geared. I watched it in dance class, both a Shakespeare introduction as well as a dance and movement. Shakespeare? How is West Side Story about Shakespeare, Kevin? I was told this was an updated version of Romeo and Juliet. And we'll definitely talk more about how West Side Story gets its roots from Romeo and Juliet later in the podcast. And, Nicole, how about you? How did you first experience West Side Story? My mother sat me down in front of the television, just like uh, Chris was talking about. I specifically remember being 
enthralled by Rita Moreno because I was a huge fan of the electric company and she was the hey you guys that was Rita Moreno's moment and uh, I was just fascinated that the hey you guys lady you know the theme song for the electric company hey you guys oh wait that's uh (laughs) that's the Goonies a grapevine of like hey you guys to his hey you guys was in this thing and I could not take my eyes off the screen. I think that was one of the first things that I think for however late it started, I watched it all the way through. Little aside, when I first moved to Chicago, an event was canceled called Steve and Steve featuring Steven Sondheim and Stevie Wonder. Who thought of it? Why was it happening? And where did it go? And why didn't it happen again? Wow, I've never heard of that. That would have been awesome. It was like one of those weird little things like we found it and like, what the? Anyway, back to the main event. I don't know that it had anything to do with West Side Story, and I don't know that I recognized it, but I became a huge fan of Shakespeare in middle school and high school. And I don't know when I realized that the two were related. Honestly, never thought of them as related until probably high school, possibly possibly middle school, because I, um, I went to Interlochen and I saw uh, Interlochen performers doing it there. So West Side Story, like we said, is based off of Romeo and Juliet. And if you don't know Romeo and Juliet, that's fine. We're talking about West Side Story. Two street gangs, both alike in dignity, in fair West Manhattan, where we lay our scene. Xenophobic grudge break to mutiny, where civil blood makes civil hands unclean. From forth their fatal land, which they both share, a pair of star-crossed lovers lose their life. Sorry, the biggest thing around West Side Story is clear discussion around tribalism. The Jets sort of starting off giving their first... It starts with dancing. And that's part of the reason why we asked McCole to come on to talk about the dance part of it from that perspective. It is very much a Rundian land opening uh, where the story is told through the dance and the prologue of the music. An evolution of Runyon Land, Guys and Dolls was cartoon. So this leads me to talk about one of the books that we will reference whenever we talk about any Sondheim work. That is from Finishing the Hat. For most people, West Side Story is about racial prejudice and urban violence. But what it's really about is theater, musical theater, to be more precise. It's all about the blending of book, music, lyrics, and most important, dance to the seamless telling of a story. Jerome Robbins' staging of the show carried Agnes DeMille's Oklahoma idea even further. Some songs and passages were formally choreographed. There were also set pieces like the prologue and the rumble, which consisted of choreographed natural movement rather than formal choreography. Where Jerome Robbins tried to take well-trained dancers and ground it in something real and relatable without it being too elevated or too cartoonish. I love musical theater. The idea that this can be done through choreography has actually made me appreciate what he was able to achieve. These titans of theater came together and made West Side Story. So, Jerome Robbins, who was gay and partnered with a famous actor of Montgomery Clift, had the idea first to adapt Romeo and Juliet. On The King and I in 1951, also with Rita Moreno, another Sondheim with Funny Thing Happened and Gypsy in The Year I Was Born, 1981. He did a People's Republic of China tour. 
he died of a stroke in 1998. We also have to mention that he did testify to the House of Un-American Activities Committee. Oh, yeah, whoack. And gave some names, unfortunately, so that he would not be publicly outed as a homosexual in the 1950s. That really sucks that he would do that, but, like, kind of, like, holding a gun to his head. I love the original, as cheesy as it feels. Jerome Robbins takes that cartoonish feel... Next level, right? Next level. And somehow it feels even closer to real. Yes. Snaps you back into life. Those dancing street toughs are amazing. This is Manhattan. And some stuff is going down. It is a tradition that is expanded upon, made essential to the storytelling. The solid narrative qualities in the choreography that helps me understand the tensions and intentions. Ooh, the tensions and mm-hmm. intentions. Ooh. Girl, I got some tensions and intentions. Mm-hmm. And where the story is going. Even the dancers from the show talk about how this is the first time I have been asked to act in a musical. Arthur Lawrence was a writer, producer, and director who worked with Jerome Robbins on West Side Story and Leonard Bernstein before Sondheim was brought in. Sondheim was definitely a late pull, and I think uh, they made a really great choice around that. Absolutely. King West Side Story initially was going to be a Christian and Jew. East Side Story. The East Side Story. Judeo-Christian. West Side Story was definitely the rent of its time. Breaking new barriers, creating a really cool theater experiences, reviving Broadway. Broadway. The movie was a musical depiction of Manhattan's West Side. Rent is on the East Side. Arthur Lawrence wrote some of the most iconic works, like right. Rope from Hitchcock. Oh, that is an amazing film. That's terrific. Where, due to the Hayes Code, unsure if Jimmy Stewart knew his character was gay. <laughs> So they had to hide it from him. Hollywood had a, around the Hayes Code time, had a very interesting time with portraying gay characters as ambiguous or straight. Yeah. He also worked on the 1956 film Anastasia, The Way We Were, and teaming up with Robbins and Sondheim again for Gypsy. Sondheim liked it before, so he tried it again. He also was happy with being who he was for who he was with La Caja Faux and winning several awards with a Tony for Hallelujah Baby, a Drama Desk for Gypsy, Writer's Guild for The Turning Point, and another for La Caja Faux. Thanks to Gore Vidal, he found the love of his life, Tom Hatcher, and they were together for 52 glorious years until Tom's death. He was also brought before Huak, but did not give any names, and so, of course, was blacklisted for a time, leaving the U.S. He unfortunately died May 5th, 2011, of complications with pneumonia, and his ashes are buried next to Tom's in Long Beach. Another, basically, this whole thing was created by... Yeah, four Jews, four, four gay Jews. Four gay Jews, yeah. <laughs> That's a great TV show. <laughs> Four gay Jews. Four Jews writing a musical. Ah, it'll never sell. Leonard Bernstein was secretly gay, but he married a woman. You know, she knew he was gay. They had a child, Jamie, who 
did interviews talking about her dad's legacy anyway. He became an overnight success after stepping in last minute to conduct uh, One Night in 1943, a challenging piece he barely knew at Carnegie Hall. Responsible for iconic works uh, such as On the Town, 1944, Wonderful Town, so many towns. During the process of creating West Side Story, Leonard Bernstein was on his grind, and he was working on the opera Candide, as he was also named the conductor of the New York Philharmonic, which probably made it really easy for him to bring the music of West Side Story around the world. He composed a score to On the Waterfront three years before West Side Story. Peter Pan, he worked with Sondheim again. Side by side by Sondheim. Side by side side by side. side. 1976. 1972, he was inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame. Of course, it was not all sunshine for him. No, it wasn't. Uh, He struggled with asthma his whole life and was monitored by the FBI for his political views. He died October 14th, 1990. The latest and the greatest, Stephen Sondheim. Another fabulously twice-blessed person, as we discussed. Jewish and gay? Yeah. yeah. Twice-blessed. I like that. He was I in like the closet that. about being gay until he was 40. And he left us right after he saw one of the early looks at West Side Story. Well, that and Patti LuPone. In company. In the lead role. I can't wait. In the go-to for inspiration for Sondheim was none other than Oscar Hammerstein, who is like a father to him, helped him in so many ways become a prolific composer and lyricist of an entire generation, if not rest of the world and forever and all time, I think. Yeah, and I, I feel like we talked about that a little bit in our... Sweeney Todd Sweeney episode, Todd. Yeah. yeah. Sweeney Todd episode, yeah. yeah. It, you know, in case you... you have been living under a rock and do not know who Sondheim is. I mean, I've been living through COVID. Of course I've been living under a rock. That's true. As we talked about Sweeney Todd, Into the Woods, Gypsy, uh, Sunday in the Park with George. Right. Assassins, which I can't wait to get to. That'll be awesome. Yeah, Kevin loves Assassins. He really does. My favorite Sondheim. (laughs) It's a good one. His intention was always the same, to be a good storyteller. Bob Fosse is a filmmaker. Is Sweet Charity... All That Jazz, Star 80, Lenny, and Cabaret. Not in that order. What you see in Sweet Charity are the building blocks of what makes a Fosse film. Somewhere along the way, watching the film, everything falls together. And he plays with time in such a beautiful way. But you see the building blocks. Kind of like with Sondheim, you will always see where he was building on his ability to improve the narrative, to refine the narrative, to refine the moments that are experienced. That's how I feel about Fosse and his films. That's how I feel about Sondheim and his musicals. And Sondheim knew how to write. He was the last creative team member of the four to pass away last year. At the time of his death, November 26, 2021, he was survived by his husband, Jeff Romley, a singer-actor who was 50 years his junior. I did not know that. Okay, when you say 50 years his junior, I want to know how old he is. Like, if you're going to fucking say that, I want to know how old he was. Jeff Framley was my age. Turn back to the notes from finishing the hat. Sondheim only apparently had two regrets about deciding to join the crew of West Side Story. Of course, he talked with his friend and mentor Oscar Hammerstein before, 
one, that he was going to be labeled a lyricist instead of a composer. He distinguished himself. He would take certain things from the book you know, and say, you know what? Let me handle this. This is less of an idea that should be stated. This is something that should be sung. And he would work in the idea from the book. I love what you're saying there. He really did a good job of giving it life. And the things that people remember most about the story are the lyrics that he words and actions that he gave that he gave the Jets and Sharks and Marie Antonia. Like, oh, this is too freaking corny if you state it. Let me take this idea and work it in for you. And you're saying that his way of working a book becomes part of the history in Canada of how musicals progress? Not just that, but I mean, like, just the storyline. Um, what, with, what you're talking about is the way he made the lyrics part of, you know, like, we can go from talking right into singing. Stop. Right, now versus sing. Like, versus like, here come the song jitters. Da, 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 da. I tell you, I'm going to put a song in. He was more about weaving. Movement. And then all of a sudden you're like swelling into song. Like sound of music. The hills. Oh, shut up. I'm just overwhelmed with feeling on this grandiose hilltop that I must. Right. Oh. If I was in that mountain right now. It's really fascinating to hear him literally talk about his thought process and getting words into or thoughts or motifs into into a show. He and Leonard Bernstein went back and forth a lot on this, too. Part of his second, I don't know if you'd call it regret, but it was his regret. Leonard Bernstein found a lot of the lyrics too poetic that he wrote. I think I heard that as well, though. I thought like also Sondheim wasn't really that fond of some of his lyrics and felt like they were a little pedestrian or something like that. Yeah, right. Sondheim wasn't fond of Leonard Bernstein's lyrics. Interesting, because I watched a different interview that, like, grasped around, like, how they coalesced together. Yeah, and got a great education from the three veterans, Jerome Robbins, Arthur Lawrence. Leonard Bernstein. There was one hiccup that I thought was very interesting that I learned in my research for this, and that Cheryl Crawford held the option for the show for more than a year, but then didn't like how West Side Story apparently failed to explore the causes of juvenile delinquency. So she stopped all funding for the production a month before rehearsals began. No, that's raggedy. You, I'm taking my money, I'm taking my ball, and I'm going home. I don't know. I'm completely speculating, but it feels like an excuse. Like, maybe they upset her in some way because it's like... To add insult to injury, Cheryl Crawford dropped them. They went into a bar to have a drink only to be turned away because of not proper attire. They were requiring a tie. Crawford was kind of wrong though. I feel like the story talks about social issues in a way that I don't feel like she was comfortable with and that might be the issue. Right. I think she was too scared. I think that's the point. Yeah. Oh no. Exactly the thing that we have going on now. You know, the issue right now is what what can be taught in school. You can't teach things that make me feel uncomfortable in schools. um, do, you, do you know about these laws, right? No, 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 I do. Talk to me. Tell me. Yeah. Right. Where teachers can, the teachers themselves can be fined $5,000 per incident. Talking about banning Octavia Butler's books. Come on. White. Fragility. Right. For making me feel uncomfortable. We know mostly that means very much. Mom doesn't want me to learn about how grandpa used to beat black guys. Parents and their fragility around race. 
discussions. Crawford person didn't like the way that things were being discussed. Right, and they, we didn't solve the problem of juvenile delinquency in the story. Uh, Music Man didn't solve pool houses. Didn't it? No, they still have trouble. How did you not notice that when they sent you the script or sent you the music or, like, started to do all the other things that they did? How did you not notice that until... Things change on stage all the time, though. Yeah, you know, yeah you're right. The script like, did change a lot. Um, yeah. Sondheim wanted to use the word fuck, then felt it would be forced if he used it there and it wasn't used anywhere else in, in oh, the musical. And, and also, they wouldn't be able to distribute it. Columbia Records. Because he couldn't ship it across state lines. You know, the, the original fuck you that was supposed to happen, but crup you. Crup you is a better choice specifically because you can actually market it. Yeah. Well, Beyond Marketing created their own slang so that it would be timeless. By saying crup you, everybody knows what you're talking about and everybody knows what you mean. And so by being specific, it, it actually becomes more universal. Exactly what you're talking about. Yep. The impetus for the swear was in Tennessee Williams' play, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, with Big Daddy yells, Bullshit! That was a big thing. And that was like all the rage because, oh my God, there's cursing in theater. And so Sondheim wanted to bring it to musical theater. When talkies first became a thing, um, that everybody talked like this, right? And because everybody thought that everybody wanted to hear everybody speaking proper English, and that proper English was a way of defining whiteness. Nobody wanted to hear anybody speak. You have these stage actors who were, who were using language and speaking in a way that other people spoke that was considered somehow beneath the art. Lower than. Of the theater itself. You know, America idealism, whatever, looking at these great pieces of art, right? Like Shakespeare, like how do we method through Shakespeare, not commoners on the street that snap their fingers and <laughs> paint on walls with their cracko jacko. So there is one last note from Finishing the Hat, a letter that was written to Sondheim on the lyrics from America. Dr. Howard Rusk, pioneering doctor and founder of the Institute of Medical Rehabilitation at the New York University, wrote a piece for the New York Times, September 29th, 1957, three days after the opening. The reference to Island of Tropic Diseases is a blow below the belt. This is not based on fact. The Commonwealth of Puerto Rico has made tremendous strides forward in public health. Mr. Soundheim's lyrics will probably remain unchanged, and Puerto Rico's mortality rates will continue to decline. Here's Sondheim's response. I'm sure his outrage was justified, but I wasn't about to sacrifice the line that sets the tone for the whole lyric. Or you could just use a different line. Let's talk about some of the lyric changes with America. In the original 1957 Broadway, it was, You ugly island, island of tropic diseases, and the baby's crying, and the bullets flying. In the 1961 movie version... It's my heart's devotion, let it sink back into the ocean, and the sunlight streaming, and the native steaming. And then in the most recent 2021 version, you lovely island, island of tropical breezes, and the babies crying, and the people trying. The best of the three updates, Spielberg's film. The change in the movie was partially due to Rita Moreno. Uh, the idea of her... You're almost yeah, not taking the role. ...led to them changing the lyric. I don't know that they knew that she was thinking about not taking the role. It might not have been her. He saw this. Yeah, so he did realize he at some point... Sondheim, I don't know why... 
I, I'm sure that it's in an interview somewhere. Got it. What he was saying and why it was wrong. And he changed the, the line. Yeah. I mean, he's human. He changed the line. And this was without her saying anything yeah. to him. But when she saw, she got it back and saw that it had been changed, that's why she committed to the role. And he changed his mind because, yeah, he's human. Yeah, he's, he's allowed to evolve. With directors trying. Sondheim learned something. Before the film, the first film was made. A lot more sense. While the writer, you know, Mr. Kushner. After this message, we'll be right back. We're back. We're back on the air. So the origins of West Side Story, obviously, Romeo and Juliet would be the easiest sort of connection of where West Side Story gets its beginning from. You'd think that. Oh. Like Shakespeare, you steal from the best. Oh, man. Pyramus and Thisbe predates Romeo and Juliet with Ovid's Metamorphosis, telling the story of two forbidden lovers in Babylon. That is the original Romeo and Juliet story. Forbidden lovers started with Pyramus and Thisbe. Fast forward to Shakespeare creating Romeo and Juliet, in 1597, the numerical anagram of the year that West Side Story was created, 1957. Oh, that's cool. I would never have thought of that. That's funny. That's cool. I love that. Yeah, that's good. I feel like Romeo and Juliet is not as good of a narrative as West Side Story is. Both stories, there is a missed opportunity of a successful departure for the lovers that is spurred by the inaccurate news of the death of Juliet or Maria. Uh, the bigotry of the Jets' attempted rape of Anita prevents the message to reach Tony versus just a thing that happened. I, I dare say that the narrative is the exact same. With Shakespeare, you know, we're simply talking about families, which is the one thing his audience could connect to. Billets in the Montagues. With regard to that story. Here, with West Side Story, we've taken that story and we've expanded to the current climate of which perhaps you and I might feel a little more sensitive than some. I'm saying what was universal then was family. You know, the Jets are their family, right? And the Sharks have their family. Versus the expansion of the theme into something a little more universal, such as racism and or xenophobia. West Side Story tries to tackle in a musical form. I don't know if the expressions are better in West Side Story than they are in Romeo and Juliet, I feel that I relate more to what happens in West Side Story. It is absolutely more visceral because it deals with things that are much more personal than the ideas of love and the things I might do versus I almost got raped. You know what? Fuck you. And that's something that, like, you know, might not have been said in Shakespeare in that way. No, I can definitely agree and say... Because mainly I connect more with the music. Pulls you more in. There's more to West Side Story in terms of things that have been added. I, I think that it enhances it. Not to say that Romeo and Juliet by itself, well acted and directed and all that. I'm, I'm, there have been some amazing performances of Romeo and Juliet over the years. The music of West Side Story don't necessarily get Puerto Rican style represented in the score. I'm wondering now if they did their same homework the music like you're talking about. Well, yeah, I mean, m musically, it's a combination of Wapango yeah. Cuban with the cha-cha and mambo and paso doble. The origin of this passionate form of music, paso doble, is disputed. The facts known about it, that it was being written as early as 1780s. It was incorporated into comedies and adopted as a regulatory step 
for the Spanish infantry, and that the music was introduced to bullfights in the 19th century. It's at least rooted in something authentic. The major type of music coming out of Puerto Rico is salsa. It's missing the sauce. It was, it's not represented in the score. It's just something I never really thought about. There's enough in the music for me from what Bernstein did. It seems to reference Latinx such that I didn't even know what was missing. Well, that's because of our poor American education, though. Yeah, I hate that I had that blind spot. Uh, even though I always wondered why they do the mambo, you know, and she calls for the mambo. Is that what was happening in the culture at the time? Salsa, which was first popularized in the United States in the 1960s. Right after... The music doesn't offend me. When I hear the music in The King and I, I get cringy. Before it keeps evolving and it keeps getting better. The songs in West Side story. So we start with the song that the sharks sing in Spanish in the beginning of the new... Yeah, the, that Puerto Rican revolution song. What's it called? La Boraquena, Puerto Rico, from indigenous people once called Boraquins, meaning land of the brave lord. And here is a translation, the land of Boriquen. Where I was born, it's a flowery garden of magical beauty, an always clear sky. It serves as a canopy, and they give placid lullabies, the waves at your feet. When Columbus arrived on its beaches, he exclaimed in admiration, Oh, this is a pretty land, what I am looking for. This is Boriquen, the daughter, the daughter of the sea and the sun. From the sea and the sun, from the sea and the sun... From the sea and the sun, from the sea and the sun. Columbus is a bitch. Fuck Columbus, bitch. Columbus is a bitch. Fuck Columbus, bitch. Fuck Columbus. There has to be a different version of this song. Where Columbus kisses my ass. That's what it pulled up when I searched for this. Yeah. Just because it's the popular one or the first Sometimes it's the white one. Not the right one. Here we go. Original 1868 revolutionary version by Lola Rodriguez de Tio. Arise Puerto Rican. The call to arms has sounded. Awake from the slumber, it is time to fight. Does this patriotic call set your heart alight? Come, we are in tune with the roar of the cannon. Come, the Cuban will soon be free. The machete will give him his liberty. Now the war drum says with its sound that the jungle is the place of the meeting. The cry of lairs must be repeated, and then we will know victory or death. Beautiful Puerto Rico must follow Cuba. You have brave sons who wish to fight. Now no longer can we be unmoved. Now we do not want timidly to let them subjugate us. We want to be free now, and our machete has been sharpened. Why then have we been so sleepy and deaf to the call? There is no need to fear, Puerto Ricans. The roar of the cannon, saving the nation, is the duty of the heart. We no longer want despots. Tyranny shall fall now. The unconquerable women will also know how to fight. We want liberty, and our machetes will give it to us. Come, Puerto Ricans, come now, since freedom awaits us anxiously. Freedom, freedom. I thought that was great adding this song to the show. It does add a legitimate, serious bit of Puerto Rican history in West Side Story. Their sharpened machete, the switchblade. Included the machetes. You know, by the end of the movie, he literally brings a knife to a gunfight. I mean, we know it was resistance looking at it, but the words, the meaning is so much deeper. More powerful. It's, wow. Yeah. Powerful than I imagined. And the fact that the community engaged, I thought when I watched the movie, oh, that's cool. Now knowing what they were talking about, oh, shit. Uh, Lola Rodriguez de Tio wrote a poem in support of Puerto Rico Revolution, which was set to the Astol Artist music. Deemed too subversive for official 
interracial adoption. A less controversial set of lyrics, Columbus ones, was written in 1903 by Manuel Fernandez, Juncos, and taught in public schools, of course. Now, this tune was officially adopted as the Commonwealth's anthem in 1952. That does sound like a 1952 version. Beautifully, and it was so moving to see it on the screen. Yeah, they're like literally raising their arms in the air like they're holding machetes. Literally in the face of the man. Well-placed song, great addition. I hope that uh, stage musicals start using it. That would be awesome, because these are the songs from the original Broadway cast recording in 1957. We have the prologue. The jet song is where jets were taken over the turf. In their point of view, this has always been our space by right of white privilege. Meet the jet song, then something comes. Daughter Maria. That Tony meets at the dance at the gym. Can we talk about under the bleachers? He and Maria meet and he leans up against the bleachers. That was just hot. He brings some heat. Then we go into Maria, sung by Tony. I mean, it's just, it's so beautiful. And then the beautifully crafted tonight, tonight, that gets about a Shakespeare's you can get. America, we already talked about that, about the lyrics changing. They moved America from the rooftop to the street to be like more out in the open. Like, we are America. And after America is cool. Stay cool, right? With the explosions of anxiety and then bringing it back in. After Riff is killed, he's killed. And then they're like, boy, boy. And instead, like, that song doesn't feel right. I think if you look at the structure of the stage musical, it's in a different order. It changed the impact. In the 1961 motion picture, Cool is sung by Ice. As opposed to also the Broadway before in which. Before. uh, Yeah, Riff and the Jets. It's a blowing off steam. Got to get it out. Their one-time leader being murdered. He he actually creates a moment for them to let some steam off. And he said, okay, but now, all right, get it out there. But we have to stay cool. As a dancer, that's how it plays out on screen. Versus cool in the 2021 version is sung by Tony before Rift dies. 2021 version, it's more of a... Let's cool down before this explodes. Let's cool down and let's try to not resort to the level of violence that is going to get one of us killed. That's what's up, Kevin. With having Tony sing it, that makes the most sense to me. That scene where they're trying to bring down their emotions and exhibit it through dance. The creators of this version of West Side Story like kind of uplifted the story saying, hey, you know, the best time to be cool is before an incident occurs. I also like that they say like, hey, you know, let's go somewhere else. Let's go smoke a joint. Let's go have (laughs) a beer. It was one person against five or six. It was hard to watch. In my head, honestly, I was like thinking, the gun is going to go off. Somebody's going to die. Miss Tony. That would have actually been an interesting choice. The gun would have accidentally gone off and almost shot Tony. Passed, shot straight through, and just missed him. Almost. And then Riff still takes the gun, because he knows that someone's going to die. He doesn't know it's going to be Tony and him dealing with the anxiety versus the original feel it's more like like be cool with a gun be cool about gun safety don't shoot it around playing riff let me do that dance <laughs> that's the number every dancer wants to do in terms of the story it's actually interesting because 
Riff, he's the one, he's the leader. He's trying to get everybody to cool down, but he's the one that pushes for the violence the hardest. Then we go to One Hand, One Heart, which in the 2021 version, it was moved from the bridal shop to the cloisters where they filmed on set. Which I felt like was a, a better choice. Cinematically, of course, yeah. But it, it's moved in time, too. Yes, because it comes right after in the movie, in the 2021 version, and in the 1961 is after I Feel Pretty in the original cast recording and other Broadway shows. It goes to after G. Officer Krupke, and that's moved to the 21st precinct of New York City. So it does depend kind of on which interpretation is done. Then after One Hand, One Heart, you have Tonight, which is the quintet and chorus, and then the rumble that ends Act 1. Opening up Act 2, we have I Feel Pretty. Then in the 2009 version, I Feel Pretty was actually changed to Mi Siento Hermosa for the Spanish version, which was translated by Lynn manuel Miranda. Oh, that's so cool. I Feel Pretty was actually moved from instead of the dress shop in the 1961 version to Gimbel's department store, which was kind of cool because it's kind of a modern dress shop. And then following I Feel Pretty is somewhere that in the 1957 cast recording, it is sung by Consuelo except for the revivals in 1964 and 1980, and then it is sung by the character Francisca. In the 2009 cast recording, Somewhere was sung by Kiddo, a young jet. And then, of course, in the 2021 version, it was sung by the incomparable Rita Moreno. Instead of Doc, you have his widow, Valentina, who sings so touching, beautiful, because she's singing about Doc and her experience through kind of the lens of looking at Tony and Maria at the current moment. Like, we wish there was a place for us, but there's not. Not right now. So you're seeing it through the lens of they lived Tony and Maria's story successfully. He passed away. She's still in the community. That that was after the rumble. Before a boy like that slash I have a love, she's alone reminiscing about her life with Doc. And before the song starts, she takes the photo of her and Doc and looks at it. And then she sits down and she's kind of like shaking as well when she's singing it. And then following somewhere is G. Officer Krupke. The last song is A Boy Like That slash I Have a Love. And in 2009, it was also translated to Un Hombre Así, the Spanish version of... In the most recent film, many of the songs were actually sung live on set. So the songs One Hand, One Heart, and A Boy Like That, I Have a Love. Sections of Maria were also sung live on set by Elgort as per his request. All other songs were filmed to the more traditional playback techniques, and Somewhere was also sung live on set by Rita Moreno. I feel like Natalie Wood, uh, Richard, and that Tony kind of looked like a grown man, were trying to do a Shakespeare, giving their most Shakespearean West Side Story that there could be. I don't know. I I felt like he brought some maturity to the role that wasn't 
in the first well he looked looked like a grown man but i feel like his aspirations were more teenager versus one who looks more like a teenager felt more grounded and mature like i like them separately i think at that time too if i can get to shakespeare then i'm a true actor or actress more focused on the choreography and the movement of the film it stands alone you bring up an interesting point it's it's hard not to see on the balcony scene earliest times that you would hear any latin music on a broadway stage or giving that jazz feel combining these two things unheard of he was bringing in musical instruments that had never been in a broadway theater they shook up a lot of white people they shook themselves up too because they didn't realize where their own privilege was for the direct comparison to romeo and juliet we have tony as romeo maria as juliet bernardo as Tybalt, Anita as the nurse, Riff is Mercutio, Doc or Valentina in the new 2021 with Rita Moreno, Friar Lawrence, Chino is Paris, the Jets are the Montagues, and the Sharks are the Capulets. Krupke and Shrink together are Prince Escalus, and Action is Benvolio. For those of you that don't know, we have Tony, who is a young Polish man who used to be leader of the Jets. He was the leader of the Jets. Maria, young Puerto Rican woman whose brother is the leader of the Sharks. Anita, a slightly older woman than Maria. Girlfriend to the leader of the Sharks, Bernardo. The last name of Maria and Bernardo is Vasquez. Yes, new revelations by the film. Riff is Tony's best friend since childhood, is the leader of the Jets when Tony is absent from the Jets. Yeah, no, Riff is definitely smarter in this movie. That is the most loving bromance. Womb to tomb, sperm to worm. Mike Feist, the guy who played Riff in the new version, he was saying he was amazing. He was probably the best best actor in that performance. They, they always talk about the relationship so with good. Maria and Tony, but in this one really show the love and the kindness in the relationship between Riff and Tony. I will also say that they make him smarter in this one and less of a smart ass. If somebody could have only caught him, focus that power for good, how good he could be. Certain kids that live a life of criminality, whatever, if they grew up in neighborhoods where they were surrounded by doctors or dentists or engineers, if they would have chosen a different path. Riff? Could be a thug on the street, or he could be... Supreme Court Justice. Not Kavanaugh, specifically the entitled frat boy. He could have been either one, and just as vicious. Being able to recognize when he's being manipulated by the authorities around him, and he's abusing his neighborhood because of that cycle of abuse. Abuse of the neighborhood is one of the ways that he acts out. Anybody's is a female slash trans character who is kind of part of the Jets, but not necessarily officially. An auxiliary member of the Jets. In the original, Anybody's is lumped in with the girls. I think that was more for the audience to be able to understand. Because in the 2021 version, Anybody's is by themselves clearly says, I'm not a girl. Officer Krupke is the kind of dim-witted cop followed around with Lieutenant Shrink. Lieutenant Shrink 
is a corrupt, racist cop in charge of the west side area of New York City. As cops usually are. Doc, all iterations up to the 2021 version, is an older shopkeeper where Tony works. I think he's actually Jewish. Culturally, he definitely appears Jewish by the 1961 movie. If he is different, then wouldn't they also, I don't know, harass him in the same way? Not necessarily, because you have to think, too, because this was after part of me is like seeing him as, and this is an entirely my imagination. He comes across maybe as that he lived through, well, he definitely lived through World War Two. And oh, now you're saying he's a, a Holocaust survivor? I don't, I, I didn't paint him as a Holocaust survivor personally, but that he was affected by the Holocaust in some way. This, the way he delivers the line, he was played by some troublemakers. The actors who played Doc were troublemakers. Were some good troublemakers. All right. In the original OG 1957, Art Smith and West Ends. David Bauer were both blacklisted from Hollywood. There were Jewish people who played Doc, and one of them, who is Greg Winkler in the 2009 revival, also played Fagin and Mr. Mushnick. In the most recent 2020 stage version that did get shut down because of COVID, Daniel Oreskes is Jewish along with the 1961 movie version played by Ned Glass. Valentina, new character for the 2021 remake that was Doc's Widow, played by Rita Moreno, that was especially crafted for her by Tony Kushner's husband. Chino, friend of Bernardo who tries to be with Maria and the Sharks. He's very clear that Chino is separate in both films. Larry Kurt was urged by Sondheim for Tony. He was the first Tony. This is uh, from the original. Heard him audition in a TV commercial. And he was Jewish. And he didn't think that he would be appropriate for the role because he wanted this white Polish guy. From what I hear, Jerome Robbins had a pretty big temper. His dance style was considered to be unorthodox at the time. Oh, no, it's unorthodox. I'm like, yeah, because no one was smart enough to go, wait a second. Let's make it look like dancey but normal at the same time his uh, choreography is always humorous by the time dude dies and then you realize that this dancey night flight has literal repercussions on the rest of the show someone should like uh turn west side story into an all-dance ballet anybody's actually has a song has part of a song that was cut out from the original of west side story i apologize to say this but i am conflicted on the idea of the song only because like I believe in the whole like musical theater uh, idea of every song has to sort of like propel the story forward yeah that being said that song is really good and important yes does musical theater always have to follow a norm one of my dream projects would be to do a show surrounding oh like in anybody's that's a really good idea that's what I would one of the what are my dream projects that I would love to do would you guys in that scenario Maria having to do deal with the fact that Tony, her love, the two of them have a connection that, you know, is hard to explain, like right after. I, I used to find it hard to believe that they could end up having sex. The only way that I could see getting past that anger, that killer, 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 killer to fucking is solace that they both, you know, she lost her brother and he lost his brother, so to speak. 
in that moment, they were trying to figure out what to do. It's so sad and heartbreaking that in the first film, I couldn't understand why. I think also it helps in the Spielberg film, that conversation that they had around Tony, how he wound up in jail. She already has in her head, this is what happens. She recognizes this, right? Because she knows how dangerous it is and no one wants to de-escalate. The rumble, Natalie Wood, obviously, she didn't really have a moment. There's that love at first sight hazy moment in the film and then they're like floating on a cloud do 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 seeing tony in any other way other than positively positive before that moment that's obviously very different uh, in the 2021 film where you know they're they're a little bit more hormones, <laughs> hormones are fully charged it was, it was very much sub 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 girl oh my clutch of pearls felt more <laughs> real and in the moment it's like those hormones were just like flying all over the place for all those different characters. Hormonal explosion happens through all of this grief. Uh, 1961 Tony. There's no past. There's no like seediness to him. He he actually seems a lot more like wholesome. Just, that Tony seems super more wholesome. I don't think he murdered someone in the first film. He did murder someone after a while. You know, you just had to give him a couple hours. A couple she days. She kind of wants to, to fix him. Fix that hulking man that makes me clutch my pearls. Versus, yeah, this other guy, you know from the beginning, he's got problems from the beginning. She she tries to tell everybody what to do. She she bosses Chino around. She thinks she can can just tell people. I appreciate her boldness in asking for what she wants. I think it's clear in the second film, though, she's saying, we can't be together until we make this right. Thank you for sticking with us for West Side Story. We understand this was the longest show to put together. A little bit of weather, a little bit of stormy weather. There was a lot of weird weather in Michigan. That's true. Both external and internally because this musical brought up a lot of issues. West Side Story for me was a very emotional experience to research and and learn about. Because of the first time that I saw it, I connected with the character Anybody's, but I didn't understand at that moment why. Ari Axelrod, cabaret entertainer, came to Eastern Michigan University and gave a presentation about Judaism on Broadway. And he opened with singing the song, I would say better than Ansel Elgort, Something's Coming. Later on, when clubs were reopening back up in New York City, in the audience of his performance was none other than Cheetah Rivera. That is pretty amazing. That is awesome. Oh, it gets better than that. So then Cheetah Rivera, the original Anita, told him that he was so talented and to keep performing. That just seems so bucket filling. I'm sure there was nothing but emotions gushing at that moment. That happened to someone that I met personally and who's also twice blessed. So additional context into some of the words and phrases that were in West Side Story that we may not know or might be a little more obscure, check out our website at skyrainbow.com. Join us for the second part of our West Side Story episode Next time on Talking Musical History. Unase en nosotros para la segunda parte de nuestro episodio de West Side Story. La próxima vez en Talking Musical History. Unase a nosotros para our story. Stephen Sondheim, you lyric genius, gave us a musical rebirth. Always with intense song drama. Always with shows that scare my mama, but they make me giddy. Shows bad news that's gritty, no bad words, a pity. 
We like our shows deep and clever. I know you do. Build shows like that or whatever. Join us, we'll talk about musicals. Turn back the clock with our musicals. With careful thought on great musicals. We'll look at plots in these musicals. Hear us as we present our story. Delving down deep to bring our story. Goes beyond history to glory. Now you can see we need our story. We're talking musical history. We're talking musical history. We're talking musical history. Join us, sing loud, and subscribe with glee. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 